0: And where social media has excelled um, is stuff that would be lost in the noise mm-hmm. uh, are suddenly brought to the forefront. It can it could be something, it could be a social issue, um, it could be something something else, and, and social brings it to the top. And oftentimes, the accelerant in that process is, is going to be is going to be a video snippet. Um, but if that if social can use a snippet. To get people to go back and actually hear the story itself, that becomes a really, really big deal. And so, if social, it may be social video can actually lead to the real story. And whether it's audio or video, you know, I see social as a means to an end. Okay, not an end in itself. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So.
1: And welcome to the Storytellers Network podcast. I'm glad you're joining me today. In this episode, we hear from the CEO and co-founder of a Boston startup called We Played. He's been uh, in sales and marketing. He's been he was the CMO of a video marketing company called Pixability, where he was also like the head of sales and marketing at one point, um, both. It's an incredible story, uh, and that's where actually we cross paths, and I got to know him better. Uh, he's also been an advisor to a group of media, advertising, and marketing technology companies. He's a self-professed geek. Uh, he believes in the power of story, especially video, and he's been doing it for a while now. Uh, today, my friend Rob Champa shares with the Storytellers Network his storytelling craft, his successes and stumbles, in other words, his story, and it is incredible. Uh, as we dig deeper into today's conversation, just a quick reminder to find us online at the storytellersnetwork.com for more episodes, for how to contact me, and for other resources to help you better tell your story. And if you like what I'm doing here, please leave a review. It helps me reach new storytellers. Now, let's get to the stories. So listeners are in for a treat. Rob, welcome to the to the show, man.
0: Dan, it's great to be here. Any I spend with you is just—it makes my life so much better. It's
1: been—it's been far too
0: long. It, it has, and uh, when we get you back to Boston, we're going to make sure that we're we're out eating and uh, having some oysters again. So uh, don't do forget about me.
1: Oh man, I won't. Um, so you just answered my, my my usual first question. You're in Boston, um, and I talked about it in the intro. You're at a Boston startup, so you're actually in Boston then,
0: yeah. I, I am in Boston. I am in a. It, if you can see behind me, I am in a building that was built in the late 1800s, and portion of that building was was cordoned off. It became what's called the Sports Innovation Lab, and you know that direction is the brand new. Uh, it's compared to the old one, it's uh it's TD Garden where the where the Bruins and the Celtics play, and, and I ca- I catch my occasional YouTube con- the YouTube concert there. So uh, yeah. we're in a really great part of Boston. Uh, it's although it's an old part of town. It, there are cranes everywhere and it's exciting and uh, as you know the food's great nearby too.
1: So Boston's full of stories so as a storyteller I mean you've got to have a ton of material there and just and just to take in, yeah. Uh,
0: Dan, this is a PG-13 show and some of the stories that I have from Boston you know can't be broadcast. I I think it's a, it's a great question. As a Bo- as a Bostonian and, I, and I've lived outside of Boston too but we grew up and I grew up in a town called Medford, Massachusetts, which is a couple, you know, which is a couple towns outside of Boston. And we're in, you know, we basically we learned the storytelling because a notable thing about Medford, Massachusetts, you know, back in the late 1700s, there, there was this dude who lived here in the North End called Paul Revere. And apparently we heard that one night he hopped on his horse to drive out to Lexington and Concord because like some enemy insurgents were here in Boston. And so we grew up, you know, with the story of Paul Revere, but it's, you know, the, the irony of that story, it's, you know, we all know, all of us know Paul Revere's ride. Oftentimes we don't know that there were two other riders that night and Paul Revere actually got captured. Okay. But that never really makes it. But you know, what's interesting is we think the stories that we tell now, uh, matter, but Paul Revere's story was lost. And it was Longfellow uh, who wrote Paul, you know, they basically wrote the poem of Paul Revere's ride that brought it, that brought it back to life. So because of his story, you know, Paul Revere's story came back to life and here I am, you know, hundreds of years later, you know, repeating it all. So it's still, and it gives us, and the thing about stories, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but uh, I'm getting goosebumps. Stories make us, it's an emotional thing. And that's why when we get there with friends or we tell things like this, it, it, it it hits a different part of whether it's the brain or the heart and that makes, that makes it wonderful. Am I getting too sappy, Dan? No, man, this is perfect. So I I love this
1: stuff. And man, so do I, this is is the passion behind your voice and and, and I love story. And just like, I'm, I'm, yeah, we're just going to wing it. What the hell? Um, So, so you mentioned friends, stories Mm -hmm. and friends and getting goosebumps. You do uh, a a ton of, of not, I don't want to say events, but like you get people together, you connect, you cook, so let's talk a little about storytelling and cooking. We'll get into like the marketing side of things and you've been doing this forever. You're an expert, as I mentioned in the, in the intro, you've done yeah. sales and marketing and all this stuff and, and technology forever for a bunch of companies. But let's get down to the base of storytelling, Rob. Mm-hmm. When you get together and cook, when you and Laura, your wife cook, and you guys cook for friends and with friends, what does that mean to you?
0: Oh, uh, happy, to, happy to share that. And, and the foundation for it actually began, you know, all my grandparents came from Italy. And, you know, growing up in an Italian-American household, it's, you know, your meals, uh, I know it's stereotypical, but see, uh, our Christmas dinner would start at 11 in the morning, and it would (laughs) run until 8 o'clock at night. So, um, if you didn't have great stories to tell, you know, uh, that much time together with family members would would result in a gunfight. Uh, So... (laughs) Early on, we got in, we got into the whole story thing. Um, but later on, you know, as, as I grew up, uh, I ended up in the restaurant business. And, you know, in Boston, we have uh, the old Italian district, which is called the North End. Uh, North End's a great place. We talked about Paul Revere earlier. His house actually still remains in the North End, in the old North Church is also in the north end and dan will have a quiz later about how many lanterns were hung remember one if i land two if i see. and if you answer that right you'll get a special prize <laughs> but what was great within what i learned early on in, in my life was that you know when you're waiting on people and you're in your serving and i, I started start off as a busboy end up as a waiter and you know i worked in the kitchen but you know it was amazing to see generations of, because you know, the restaurant I worked at was a very, very historic restaurant, had been there since 1917. And for me as a server, you're know, meeting people, uh, understanding who they were, and oftentimes they would tell their stories. And, and it was not unusual for me to wait on four generations of a family, which was absolutely amazing. And then how I connected to them, because they wanted, they didn't just come in for the Italian food, you know, to give them the story of the food and what type of food they want, what type of wine. And that sort of triggered my you know, my interest in food, not so much, you know, to satisfy the palate, but there, there's a whole story aspect of food. You know, fast forward years later, I had, a, I had the opportunity, opportunity to meet an amazing woman, my wife Laura, who you know, and uh, she shared a similar passion. So what we started doing over time is we'd have this, uh, we, we suffer from insatiable curiosity. And, you know, we love to cook. And both of us have, you know, done training and cooking and everything else. We go on these little journeys where it's like, okay, we're experimenting with with, uh, food from this region of France. You know, this month is all about Gascony. Or we talk about, you know, we we love the cooking of the Basque region of Spain. But what we would do is we would have all these themed parties at home and we would invite friends. And we'd tell the story about the cuisine. And, but what would happen at these parties, it, people would also tell their stories <clears throat> related to either the cuisine or what it meant to them. Mm-hmm. And this is why our parties, unfortunately, and this is why we're not inviting you. Um, our, our parties usually start at like, our, our dinner parties will start at like, say, 6 o'clock. And a lot of them, because the stories haven't stopped, will go to like 2 o'clock in the morning. And now now that I'm 39 again, it's, you know, staying up until that <laughs> late, nothing hurt, but it's, it's a great part and it actually brings, it brings people together and it just makes, uh, I, it's, it's what we're all about.
1: It really is, isn't it? I mean, that's, those stories, uh, are just unbelievable. Uh, one of our other guests in season three here was, um, Billy Wong talking about wanting to end racism one story at a time, Ah uh, just, just beautiful, right? Like, we get these ideas of these vast groups of people or whatever. And, and if you can hone in on one story from the, the quote, those people, it, it, it personalizes things it humanizes others. And, and then you get that through that diversity right. diversity of, of stories. So yeah, anyway, I love, I love story.
0: I this idea hitting something very, very important because we're, we're, yeah, let's think about what happens these days. We get messages from all over the place. The thing about a story, um, a story sticks. And a story, uh, it's not like if somebody tells you something great, but when they contextualize it as a story, you know, there's something in the brain that makes it stick. And if it sticks, it's going to force your subconscious to think about it. That why, you know, when you're talking about, you know, somebody approaching racism, in the story, if we're going to, if we're going to, you know, hopefully eradicate racism, you know, then we have the ability, if we have, keep on hitting people with stuff that's meaningful and it sticks, um, and the subconscious chews on it. Yeah, that's a great way to do things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah, I love it. Um, So, so I, I know that one of your, one of your your dinner parties, you did. You had this really cool idea of, about sharing stories about songs. We t- we we've talked about this, and I and I want to give the listeners this this idea about like if if you love story and you want to yeah. be inspired by other stories, do this thing. So, tell me about your your three songs dinner.
0: All right, so we think stories are addictive. Um, you know, let's, let's recall the time where we've, we've every single, whether it's you or, or the listeners, and hello to the listeners, and thank you for letting me bore you. Um, how often have we had that damn song in our head? <laughs> and, oh, geez, how am I going to get the song out of my head? And there's always something. But if we look back on our past, and, and as we grow and as our tastes change, uh, it's, it's amazing to see how our musical tastes have changed and you know and this is this is true for everybody and i'd say the the you know the joy of having children over the years and i've had some very very musical kids is they they keep me they keep me listening to cool new stuff but we had a we get together with some friends and you know i think this is my friend richard had introduced me to the concept Uh, richard and jennifer and they're just two amazing individuals and they said okay uh when we all get together or maybe it was brad okay if they're listening to this i want to make sure i don't get anybody (laughs) mad at me um but it was bring three songs and we started doing this on our own as well and so everybody who was attending we we carved out some time we said each of you bring three songs and so we had access to an online music system so we could say what the songs were but we in a, a song from a different phase of your life and so they would play one song and they would explain why it was meaningful to them. In other words, they told the story around the song in, the, in that portion of their life. Then the next song, you could see that you could see distinct changes, you know, in life. And, uh, and these would be, we all knew each other, you know, for years, we, you know, loved one another, but we, we saw, we, we saw into the soul. Uh, of everybody. And, you know, because they told their story, you know, it made us even closer to them. And it, it was a, it was a great, uh, it was an exciting thing for, for us to do. And I highly recommend it. And it just, it worked out, it worked out really, really well. And what
1: were your three songs?
0: Uh, I had surprisingly, uh, I had a Led Zeppelin song. Um, you know, how many more times, uh during my uh somewhat uh crazy crazy youth and then what we had is excuse me yes okay i'll move this in a second so dan in a typical co-working space um we're gonna we're gonna do this live if you don't mind Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna change positions here it's a a Friday afternoon why is anybody here so to answer the question we had how many more times um and I just found and Led Zeppelin has its own story and an incredible group. And when you look at the story of Led Zeppelin, that was great. Um I also had a couple by I had a song by the Dandy Warhols, uh, Bohemian, you know, you Bohemian too, and that was great. And this shocked everybody. Um I had a Glenn Campbell song. And they're like, okay, Rob, Glenn Campbell, what's wrong with you? And what people don't realize, and there was a whole Glenn Campbell story. Uh, Glenn Campbell was a session musician, so unlike a lot of stars, Glenn Campbell was great. And so the Led Zeppelin song really represented my my wild part of youth. Uh, the Dandy Warhols is we like it was like it's a lot of you know edgy alternative, uh, which a lot of people stay away from. But um, uh, the Glenn Campbell song was you know was try a little kindness. And mm. for me, it's as much as we're living in a crazy world right now, there's, you know, there's a lot more kindness to give. And I got exposed to Glenn Campbell as a, as a child, and I've watched the Glenn Campbell show. Uh, but what we found is that you know, it turned out to be you know, something that resonated in my adulthood. So introduced to me as a child and everything else. So we're going to walk. Uh, <laughs> I love first it. First for the podcast. Uh, I'm it. not sure what's happened here, but uh, we have a good single within here. Very we'll good. i to find a room with some, uh, with some decent light.
1: So I, I think it was I think it's Glenn Campbell. You you may know this. Glenn Campbell did a song "I Got a Gal in Kalamazoo."
0: Ah, oh, right? I know Kalamazoo is going to be very, very you know important to you.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm from the Kalamazoo area, and there's great stories there. So whenever anybody says, "Wait, Kalamazoo," I've heard of that. Like I think it, I think it's the Glenn Miller Orchestra that did that song that made it famous. So anyway,
0: yeah, it's it may be worth That's mentioning. Funny. And this is also good. You know, one of the things that we that we often forget. And I'm just sitting down here. We get some good light. Yeah, it looks good. The, the other room looked way cooler, though. So, but, you know, it's a co it's a co working thing. So, um, let's not forget that stories. You know, and especially let me get some of the light behind us here. Is that you know a lot of us and I have a, My mother's older, and a lot of people. The way to and it's tough getting old. I'm sure. And my mother's in her eighties, but you know, when we get her to talk about her stories. You know, it it brings her back, and the memories come back, and you know, it brings happiness. So, you know, as you talk to you know with your listeners, for those of you your parents, not only get them to tell their stories, but also record their stories because that's the family history, and we pass that down to to our children.
1: It's it's funny you mentioned that, Rob, because I'm actually my grandfather's coming up from South Carolina. Um, they're from the area too originally, but he lives down there now with one of my aunts, and they're he's coming up this summer. Um, later this month, I guess it is. And I've secured a, a nice camera, a microphone, and we're going to sit down for a few hours. And I'm just going to just let them talk because that is so important. Hearing those stories, keeping that history alive is so important. Yeah. It's um, good for
0: them and it's, yeah. and it's really, really good for the family. Yeah. We, Some, we can't do enough of that.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to that. So how does, how does that that personal storytelling, the the songs, the, the dinners, the cooking, how does that translate into a professional aspect of storytelling? Have you, have you purposefully made that all part of your life, or does it just kind of transfer for you naturally?
0: It's that's a great question. Uh, for me, it's always it's always been part of my life, hmm. and maybe I'm maybe I'm just lucky, and how it's translated professionally. So the, we live in a very, very crowded market Hmm. and you in the, you know, candidly, I think Dan, you've heard some of my very strong opinions. Um, it's like, Oh my God, it's, you know, can, can you, can you, can somebody run a great marketing campaign? Can we do something that's interesting? And so a lot of my, you know, my best campaigns and the credit goes to my team. Um, I think it's more because I'm a story guy and I get, I get the crew to tell stories. You know, that, that things get interesting. And stories can often be, t- you know, in one of the ways to amplify a story is going to be with metaphors. And, you know, people don't realize that, you know, it, it's the plot line. And one of the things that, you know, I, I was involved in a technology company on, and I thought, if you don't mind, I'll share the story with you. Mm-hmm. I was involved in a technology company. We were doing the, what we called high-performance messaging switches for Wall Street and it was like really geeky stuff and the trading floors wanted their data really really fast and so uh i had taken over as i had a marketing i was brought in and so there's this big trade show in new york it's like oh we, we've got the trade show and all the all the dudes in the suits are going to be there and uh you know everybody who's at a tra- at the booth is going to have a suit it's oh my god it's the borg and i want to die i said no we're not doing that, these are all people. And we wanna, in, you know, based on the average age of the people there, a lot of them have been exposed to some of the craziness from the 1960s. And so we felt that what we were doing, in the story that we crafted, it's like, uh, we can say, well, we're doing high-performance message feeds with these, these many interfaces and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, 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 no. We're talking about the revolution, okay? And we're, we're bringing, we're radicals, and it's a revolution, and it was the 1960s. So I turned to my CEO, you know, Bob Kramer, who's a great guy, and, you know, he, and it's important. He was my, my boss at the time. He encouraged creativity. And so we're going in jeans. We're doing tie-dye T-shirts. Um, it was the 50th anniversary of the peace sign at the time. Everybody thinks the peace sign was like the 60s. It's actually older than that. Um, it's, I think it was the late 50s. And we had these cool shirts. Uh, we had everybody, you know, in, in 60s gear. Uh, we, had, we had everybody dressed up in, in 60s garb that, you know, we had our support staff in tie-dyes, but we hired other actors to come in, um, in, in various garb. And we, we broke the rules. We had like live 60s music. And everybody wanted to come to our booth. And all of a sudden, everybody wanted the shirts. But as it came in, they started sharing their stories about, you know, of course we were from a professional perspective, we were doing qualification, but a lot of people, we asked them, why did you want the shirt, And they ended up telling their stories about the 1960s. And so uh, we had an 8,000% year over year improvement of financial performance from that show. So it was, it was, it was great. And again, it was all tied. It was all tied to stories.
1: I'll, I'll build on story. I love that, man. That's incredible. Um, so you've been doing that kind of stuff since the mid nineties, uh, marketing, business development, you know, sales, this kind of thing, um, has, has story. So it sounds like story's always been a part of that for you then, right?
0: Yeah. I'm what about,
1: yeah. So what about video storytelling? How does that play a part in what you do? And why did you, why did you lean to it? Cause season three is all about video storytellers. And, and so we know each other from your, from, I know you from your time at Pixability and I've got to know you beyond that, obviously, but where does video play into that for you and your story, Rob?
0: So the, we all, okay, let's face it. Uh, If we look at human beings and we can, we can listen to a great story and that's important. Uh, Personally, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I just, I just like it Uh, probably too many. I I mix it up to see how people are telling their stories. Mm. And I also, you know, with video in particular, there's, there's so much great video out there, but a great story with video also encompasses audio. So it's not like it's it's audio or video, and you've heard me say before it's it's not one or the other; it's it's both. And what video and video done well uh, allows you to to basically deliver the story much much better. And what for me uh, many years ago uh, when I when I when I transferred from uh, you know because I'm historically I'm an engineer, and when I went into to marketing, I kind of brought that not that I'm creative. You know, people get accused engineers of being creative. It's like uh, I started saying, well, why don't we, this is in the 90s. Am I dating myself? Um, I ended up hiring this, this, you know, a couple of boutique firms out of New York who are dabbling in, in video marketing for products. It's like, and you didn't have, there, was, there wasn't a YouTube. There wasn't any type of streaming. We had, we had the CD uh, and we did video on CD, not DVD either. <laughs> and what we found is the impact of video on selling product uh, was actually pretty big because it wasn't just you know, we told the story of why we did the product You know why the product was important now and, and how it fit into the marketplace But more importantly uh, the story of what it can do for them. So sometimes the process of inspiring people uh, You're not telling them what to do You're just adding a chapter to their, to their story. So it comes in. It's like, okay This is what I'm doing for you. And this is how it could you know, augment your business And so I loved it. So I left Boston in the late 1990s, I started a company down in Atlanta. And uh, so for, for you entrepreneurs listening, uh, if you think entrepreneurship is tough, go go do it 900 miles away. <laughs> and uh, uh, that's, I had all my hair until then. And, but what we did is we built this company, three of us, grew um, it to 400 people. And we actually built our own video studio at the time. And this is when video production was a royal pain in the butt. And, but we wanted our, we wanted to interact with our customers, you know, and it, if we couldn't be with them face to face, what we wanted is we wanted, you know, video as a way to, to supplement that. And our business took off because what we found is that people responded. When we talked about projects and things like that, yeah, it turned out to be, it turned out to be great. And then fast forward, uh, moved back to Boston. I just, you know, sunny weather down in Atlanta, you know, 80 <laughs> degrees, I get so boring, I needed to come back to Boston and experience sleep you know in the month of January and you know jackets So uh, came back to Boston and you know get involved in in a company called Pixability, which was really geared toward as you know, uh, tying in you know helping small businesses tell their story
1: and and at the time you know when you and I were together it was is telling it through the through the the tool of YouTube which is which is still can be powerful oh, extremely. Um, but there's there's so many other platforms now that, you know, you can do video through Facebook lives, through Facebook video, through Instagram, through, is Vine still around? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, just, I mean, video has become so powerful. How do you, how do you, if, if you're talking to a storyteller who is, whether they're, whether they're an author, um, mm-hmm. whether they're a business, just kind of dabbling in video, what, is, what would be one piece of advice you'd give to them, Rob, to say, um, to, to start off, if they're a little bit nervous, they don't really know where to go. What's one just kind of piece of advice, whether it's technical or just creative? What would you tell somebody?
0: Yeah, it's uh, I had the fortune to, uh, to co-author a book on YouTube uh, several years ago. Uh, that was a fun exercise. And, <laughs> but it wasn't just about talking about YouTube. We actually had to build it up in the book to talk about, you know, you can't do YouTube until you accepted video. And, you know, I told the readers, it's like, look, <laughs> you know, what are you waiting for? You, you think you're going to come out and be – you know Robert Redford or some other or some or Meryl Street. No, yeah, they didn't start off really good right away. I said just dive into it. Yeah, you know, it's probably what you experienced even with you know what you're doing, Dan. It's uh, I'm sure this episode is far far better than your first ones, although you probably had much more talented guests. You know than, than than I. But you know the important. I tell people jump in. What are you afraid of? It's kind of like you know we've all seen the people at the swimming pool in the summertime. And they're walking around the pool, walking around the pool. What's the problem? It's up in the pool. And so that's kind of the attitude uh, with video. Just, you know, jump in and you're going to make mistakes and mistakes are encouraged. But remember, we as human beings learn from our mistakes and that's a story in its own right. And as you do it more and more, you're going to find your sweet spot. You're going to find what you like and what you don't like, you know, and that becomes, you know, that becomes the, you know, the whole thing
1: and and you've been beating that drum for years so when people who are now just now going well, video is the future man n- n- no video's now. <laughs> like, video is now
0: like video video is now and you know i like yeah i'm just thinking there's there's the personal use of video and you know what i and i'm i'm a big fan of netflix and what what netflix is doing with some of their with some of their content and and i'll you know, not to give netflix a plug but uh, the, we talked about sort of the food passion. And, and I, love, I love food videos that tell a story. That's why, you know, the passing of Anthony Bourdain actually having grown up during that era in the, in the restaurant business, um, you know, broke many of our hearts. Um, he, told, he told a great story. And, and last night, I, it was like a 13 like hour day yesterday. I got home and, you know, I was toast. And my wife looked at me and she said, sit down, I got, I, got a, I got a good story for you. And she put on Ugly Delicious on Netflix. And she put on, there was a whole, it was actually commingled stories on pizza and pizza around the world. Now, for if some of my friends watch this, I'm oftentimes accused of being a pizza snob. I'm not. I just have high standards for pizza. And we, we, have, a, we have a professional pizza at home. Um, but it told the story of pizza through different eyes. And one of the most intriguing part is they, they, there was a guy in, in Tokyo who had a pizza joint. But it wasn't your usual, hey, let's put on some tomato sauce and some mozzarella. He was doing some Japanese ingredients, and he was telling his story uh, because he got influenced by, he told the story of what happened in Italy and what influenced him. He brought it back to Japan. And didn't replicate the Italy story, used that to create his own story. And then he interviewed a guy from Brooklyn who was brought to Tokyo to try this pizza. And this guy from Brooklyn had his own thing. And, (laughs) you know, and his story coming in, it's like, no, it's only this. He ended up falling in love with a lot of the, you know, the various different things around. Actually, a guy from Brooklyn, they brought to to Naples. uh, And they brought... a season. Sorry to the, it was crazy, uh, to, uh, to Tokyo, uh, but it was a, it was an interwoven stories that were fabulous.
1: So our stories, I mean, it, so it sounds like the people involved, their stories intersect and that's what humans do, right? Our stories mm-hmm. intersect. I hope so. So it's, it's just, man, it's incredible, isn't it? I just get, I get goosebumps thinking about it.
0: Yeah. And, it's, be- and that, that's what makes life, you know, that's what makes life great is when our stories intersect mm-hmm. and how oftentimes you'll be, you'll be in a room and you you'll, know, one story, you know, ties into somebody else's story, and it's kind of like my, my dinner parties. Next thing you know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. And, and we see that, you know, we see that in business quite a bit, too, uh, when I'm brainstorming with the team. And I, I encourage, you know, I, I've been fortunate, you know, I want to, the reason I, I think I've been, you know, I've had some success uh, with some terrific marketing campaigns is I hire people who can tell stories whether they're in sales or whether they're in marketing or or even engineering or customer service, I've had all of them. It's, you know, and especially when it comes to marketing, it's because marketing is all about telling a story. Sales is about telling a story. And when I get people in the room and I know I get storytellers, um, that suddenly they're giving me so much, you know, on the board that we're able to build these amazing campaigns. And not only campaigns. and remember, as we said at the beginning, Stories that are done right stick and they're memorable. Mm-hmm. Now I heard somebody today say, oh, you've got to do an advertising campaign and just keep beating, 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 beating people so they get it. It's like, ah, uh, no, give them a story. Mm-hmm. And not only do you have to do it once, they fall in love with you.
1: And, and so you're talking about collaboration. How, 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 how do you see it for yourself as a storyteller? I mean, you're obviously Rob, a storyteller personally, uh, by, by definition as, as an Italian, I think that's just part of your, your DNA.
0: Got <laughs> um, <laughs> <That and> food.
1: <laughs> food, right. Um, but, but as a powerful storyteller, one who has that passion, one who's good at it, how did you find that balance between being a storyteller and being a story encourager and having others be a part of that it? It has to be hard.
0: That's a great question. Actually. Um, I didn't, I didn't give it much thought. It's the other thing too, is storytelling is as much this as this. Mm -hmm. And we, we all know the person who doesn't shut up, you know, the braggarts and things like that. Yeah. That's not storytelling. That's just, that's just horrible. Right. And it, and, if,
1: and for those only listening, Rob's pointing to his ears. You had to listen, okay. right? I mean, that's, you've got to be a listener. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Exactly. So go ahead. Yeah.
0: And for those of us who get high off of stories, we we enjoy, you know, probably listening to stories more than we do telling them. And, you know, for me, uh, somebody driving collaboration for me, I just, I, I love it. So it wasn't, it wasn't a as much of a challenge for me. And for folks that, you know, maybe if you're a new manager or you're sort of getting into a role leading, it's get your team. You know, my, my advice is, listen, get the people telling stories and get high off of it. And you're going to have everything you need to do some great stuff. And those stories can come, you know, you could say, well, it's your marketing group. But, you know, Dan, let's give our example on how you and I met. It's you. you we helped you tell your story. But the reason you know, you know, we became friends is we, you know, I learned about your business and I loved your story, and then we share our own personal stories. And mm-hmm. every time we get together, we talk about our oyster story. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you <laughs> listeners out there, let me tell you about Mr. Moyle here. Um, <laughs> it's uh, he had not had oysters yet. So, am I going to embarrass you?
1: No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> uh,
0: you know, I was going to bust your chops. Uh, so we went out and we went to this this great place and this great, uh, restaurant. And we started, we started, you know, basically ordering oysters and we were having a terrific time. And so, uh, every time Dan comes to Boston, he now has oysters and that's his story. Uh, and my story is my heart gets broken every time he comes to Boston. He doesn't have oysters with me now.
1: (laughs) Amen to that. Yeah. And, and, and I always tell our story when I, when I do go to Boston, I've been there, um, for the inbound conference a few times and, and quite a few times. And, Every time I go for oysters, whoever's with me, I say, okay, now listen, you've never had them. You have to try them in Boston because I went out with my friend Rob and he talked to me about the flavor of this is from that area and this bluff. And and I said, I'm like, it blew my mind. Um, And now I also only take everybody to a specific bakery for cannolis because I know exactly where to go and why. And when I try them other places, I'm like, huh, how does this compare to modern? And just, so yeah, man, my, my story, my love of Boston Runs deep now um, because of our friendship and that food and those, and those stories. Yeah. So
0: yeah, that's you know, incredible. I mean, I'm going to get a cannoli. I'm eat the cannoli, and I'm going to think about the story. My, my parents first brought me to Modern. Uh, so Modern Pastry in the, in, in the north end of Boston has been, you know, my family's shop. Uh, my family's gone there for many, many years. And I remember the first time you're going there for, you know, trying to eat a cannoli when you're, you're three years old. And <laughs> you're trying to eat a cannoli, you end up with it all over your face. And it was great. Now, and that's the whole thing, Dan, it's, it's, it's fantastic. But you were also asked, asking about you know, in, you know, some of the video aspects and where we are and where we are today. And yeah, there's, like everything else, um, video doesn't make a story, a story makes a video. Mm. And, that, and that's, that's an important thing. I see a lot of people kind of jumping into video. Oh, it's gonna, video's gonna be my path toward a story. No, you gotta have your story first. And video is going to help you do amazing, amazing things with it.
1: So, so how how does, excuse me, how does social media affect video, which affects story? Like how, how do you see all these different social media platforms having an impact on video? Video is so powerful Mm -hmm. and only because it's a good story, but video is a great tool. How does social media affect that? Does that chip away at the integrity? Does it build it up? What does it do for you?
0: Uh, It's a great question. When we look at, we 've got to and where social media has excelled um, is stuff that would be lost in the noise mm-hmm. uh, are suddenly brought to the forefront it can, It could be something it could be a social issue um, it could be something something else and, and social brings it to the top and oftentimes the accelerant in that process is, is going to be is going to be a video snippet and because you part of the every so often we 'll hear. And, you know, I hate the term viral video. Uh, it just, it's, it sets a bad expectation because everybody wants a viral video. And um, it's just, it's, it's like, yeah, I, yeah, I want to win the lottery. <laughs> the, but it, it's an accelerant. But ideally, you know, for something to have hang time. So if it's just a short snippet of something, it's going to, you know, be kind of famous and it's going gonna, it's gonna to disappear. Okay. And, that, and that's fine. Um, but if that, if social can use a snippet to get people to go back and actually hear the story itself, that becomes a really, really big deal. And so if social, it may be social video can actually lead to the real story in whether it's audio or video, you know, I see social as a means to an end. Okay. Not an end in itself.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and if, so I shouldn't say if you were, cause you are at a, a startup right now. So as you're starting this new venture, where, where do you go to find that new audience? Do you do a ton of research ahead of time? Do you just kind of try things? Do you look at what's natural for you? How do you find that new audience?
0: That's, that's a fantastic question. The, for me, so the new venture, um, you know, we're, in the, we're in the sports video business. And, uh, uh, if I tell you too much, I'll have to, I'll have to kill you. And I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I'm not ready to go to jail. Uh, but you know, in, in sports, sports is the ultimate, you know, story platform. And for me, uh, my partner is a former NFL player and the, the Genesis, um, as, as we were teaming up, his name is Paul Zakausis. He's a great guy. And, you know, he as he came to me with a story, uh, you know, he, you know, he's an all American football player and he played for the Browns and he had all his video content in his basement and he had a flood in his basement because he had a house on Cape Cod and he pretty much lost his, he lost his story. He lost his history. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, that was the genesis of, of, of the two of us teaming up, you know, to create this new venture. And it's, it's all around our new venture. What I can share is all around, you know sports storytelling through video and you know because we tend to look at sports not as stories we look at sports as events and whether you're you're whether you're an athlete or whether you're a fan of a team um and this is what's this is the beauty of some of the stuff that we're getting into because what i'm you know what i'm building with paul is a story business and it's a video story business but whether it's going to be in, you know, and I'll ask you, it's, you know, there has to be a sporting event in your history that you can tell a story around that impacted you personally. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. In fact, just, just this week I was at, um, at a camp with a bunch of guys um, for, for our church, for our youth group. And we, and the, my like, co-counselor and I were talking about football stories from our youth with these middle schoolers, yeah. like encouraging them and talking. And it took me right back to that moment in that football game. And like, Oh yeah, man, stories, sports stories can be, can be huge.
0: There you go. Yeah. And I, I think one of my most um, memorable moments it's uh, and for those of you, you listeners and you viewers um, who have this perception of Boston? Um, they're everything's are these psychotic spoiled baby sports fans. Okay, we're not, okay, we just, we're passionate. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we did have our, our drought years, and I'm sure drought years will return, uh, although the Red Sox are doing really good right now. Good. <laughs> um, but, you know, e- even one of my stories, uh, and, and I'll share it, it's um, back in the old, we, we'd have paper routes, and this is when little kids actually rode around with a bike and threw papers, and, you know, you, you could actually make money. And we would spend our money on sports tickets, uh, whether it was going to be for uh, the Bruins or the Celtics. And I really, really liked yo know, the Bruins. And so what I would do is I would I would take my money, and I and you're not making a whole lot of money from yo know, from the various things. I would take my money and I would buy the worst seats at, at the old Boston Garden. And then, like, you know, and we've all done this. And, Dan, if you haven't done this, you're lying to me. So, you know, you get the worst seats. And, yeah, you're kind of watching the game. But you're, you're also scoping out who didn't show up, who had the good seats. And this is before all the, the ushers kept you away from that stuff. So I would always try to get, you know, so my story is, you know, there was one game, and I never had an interaction with a professional athlete and so I'm, I'm watching my buddies we, we get down to we're behind the Bruins bench and uh, there was a player number eight Ken Hodge for the Bruins and I was so excited to, to be behind the bench that I said hey Ken and he actually turned around looked at me and smiled okay and, and here it is how many decades later I'm telling the story I'm getting goosebumps, but, you know, but it's all tied to sports and sports is such a great, you know, yeah, sports is great. We talked about food and stories, uh, but sports and stories is is just as great whether you've participated, uh, whether you've turned around and you viewed or whether you've done all of the above. And that's what's exciting.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, Okay. So.
0: (laughs) <laughs> hey, Ken.
1: Yeah, it, and uh, we, we've got a, a hockey – I love hockey. So when you're talking – hockey's my language, man. Uh, baseball's fun to go watch, but hockey is life. Um, and Red Wings are my team, but we also have a team in Kalamazoo called the Kalamazoo Wings. They used to be part of the Red Wings organization. They're not now, but, um, yeah, I remember going to games with my dad. And and I, and I, and I can feel – I can remember being during the intermission after there was a hockey fight and everything else, and, and everybody's drinking beer, and it's just this – rough and tumble, blue collar, hometown hockey team. Mm -hmm. And we're sitting out in the, uh, in the concourse where it was, where it was still smoking and the walls are sticky and there's just masses of people and people are smoking. And, and we'd see, you know, my dad would see somebody he knew and I can just, I can smell it and feel it. And like, man, I love it. That's
0: what the story's doing to you. It's all the senses come back to life and it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. Has. And, and it, it also, you know, stories just don't, you know, come and go. They actually impact your life, mm-hmm. and they they leave an imprint. I I think they leave an imprint on the soul.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and if we can, and as as storytellers, then professionally, if we can tap into that, and and video does it so well. You know, the the video because it's not just visual; it's video, it's narrator, it's audio, it's mm-hmm the way things do, you know, there's so much in video that impacts us and brings us back. We don't make buying decisions based on logic. We make it on emotion Mm -hmm. and we might justify it later with logic, maybe, but it's that emotional connection. And so if we can do that through video, it's huge.
0: Yeah. So we we do like to couple logic with emotion and that's the, and that's the powerful mix. And, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, we strive for that, Mm -hmm. but it's the emotional element. It's pulling, it's pulling on the strings. Yeah. Uh, that, that, becomes, that becomes such a big deal.
1: And, and so speaking of pulling on strings, Rob, I, I want to get to this, this next thing for you because I know you've got a side hustle, <laughs> a side project, a side passion. Not really a hustle, but a passion. The Electric Project. Yes. I want to hear a little bit about that and how story plays a part in that.
0: And this is a passion of mine. Uh, it started 11 years ago. And uh, I'll tell the story. Uh, I, I had been uh, again. So many people know me as marketer, sales guy, or you know, you know entrepreneur. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm really a geek. And I came up, and I was fortunate. Um, I had some great, great teams over the years in tech, and I was a, you know, you know, running engineering teams. And I always, you know, encourage people to do amazing things and help them grow. And people had great careers. And as I moved on, um, you know, about 11 years ago, my phone rang and it was a very talented engineer who used to work for me and he got laid off and he got laid off from his job. And so he said, you know, he's like, Rob, can we, can we get together? And so we got together and I, you know, you get to know the people, by the way, with your team and with the people who work for you, if you know their stories, you will remember them. And that's really, really important, is know, know the stories of the people who work for you and the people around you and your friends, and you'll never forget people. And uh, you know, I had enough crazy stories that they remember me. Uh, so, so I got together and it was just, it, it, was, it was really sad because what happened is, I think, as human beings, you know, if life is good, um, you, know, you know, somebody's drawing a good salary, they're working for a decent company, You know, they think it's a stable job. You know, a lot of people, especially older workers, and especially older tech workers, um, you know, and this isn't everything. So if you're in tech, you're, you're automatically immune to everything. You're not. And so older tech workers were losing their jobs. And they were coming to me and they're saying, well, what do we do? And so we kind of sat down and they kind of forgot their own narrative. They forgot their own story. And what got them there and what made them, you know, incredible engineers, and so you know, with the electric project, and you know, we're in the process. You know, I've kind of it's it's kind of on hold right now because of the the requirements of the new venture. Even though I I do a little bit on the side when I can, it's it's helping them you know relive their story, and by reliving this story, it re it reinvigorates their passion for learning new things because a lot of these people who end up getting displaced, you know the you know they have this skill set. And then the market skill set kind of went this way. And so once they get that story, we kind of, we kind of bring them along and retrain them. And this is also true not just for displaced workers. Um, this is true for, you know, and I've worked a lot with uh, moms who, you know, very, very talented women who chose to, to raise the children and are looking at back in the workforce and they're having a tough time. And it's the same thing all over again. And, you know, even with some of the the vets that I've worked with, you know, people that you're just looking to get in, vets or students or people looking to get into workforce, you know, what's the, what's your story and what's related to how we can get it in. So, uh, you ultimately for me, it's, we have so many talented people, um, you know, not only in, you know, where I am in New England, all around the country and all around the world. And there are so many people that aren't you know, plugged in. The whole concept of the electric project is I feel that everybody's electric. And at some point, and this happens to all of us, you know, somebody, for some reason, the plug gets pulled. And our goal is to use stories to help them plug back in, recharge, light up again, and get back. And I'll tell you the best, a friend of mine uh, had been out for, he'd been out for quite a while. He came to me and we spent a good deal of time together. And uh, a few weeks ago, uh, he ended up getting a job and uh, his, you know, ba- you know, and he had a great story to tell. And it, his excitement was just, you know, when he called me up and said, Rob, I, I nailed it. Uh, I couldn't have been happier. And that was, that was great. So I, I think for all of us, the challenge for all of us, you know, you know, especially in trying times, sometimes it's like, let's, you know, let's know each other's stories and let's help one another. And, um, you know, let's, let's all, uh, let's all get the stories tied together.
1: Mm-hmm. As always, the time goes way too fast. Um, I want to ask you my, my big, my, my, my hag my big Harry audacious mm-hmm. goal uh, question. Uh, <clears throat> and I know it's theoretical because you could never stop telling stories <laughs> again. It's in yeah. your DNA, brother. If, if you could only tell one last story, whether it's professionally or personally and, and be done telling stories, what would be your last story that you told?
0: Uh, the last story that I told, um, that's a really, uh, that's a really tough one because, um, because there are so many, um, but what I'll tell is, uh, I'm going to tell it, I've been fortunate. I've been, I've been married to the same woman for, uh, for a long time and she's, uh, an amazing friend and the, the stories that we, you know, that we, that I tell quite frequently because people say, well, how have you been married so long? And, uh, and, you know, what I don't like is everybody says, well, somebody, your wife should be a saint being married to you for that long. And I don't think I was, I was that bad. Um, but the story that I would tell is, is, it's tied to when we were dating. And the story would be, and this, this kind of rings true. So uh, I was living in New Hampshire, and Laura was living down just outside of Boston, and when we were dating, uh, we, we would try to do stuff on the weekends and she would, uh, so she would come up to Nashua and where, where I was living, Nashua, New Hampshire. And she would always, she would always show up with a box of donuts. And uh, so the, the door would knock, cause we, we'd have like a whole Saturday plan of stuff to do. And you know, so there'd be the knock at the door and there's, there's Laura with, with the big brown eyes and the, and the smile in a box of donuts. And you know, we, we'd sit down and we'd, we'd, we'd plan our day. And every single day we made it a journey. And we'd go and discover something that we didn't discover. And we'd come back and we, we'd cook together. And it just like we talked about earlier, we, you know, we, did, we determined what to cook and we'd do it together. And it was always that level of collaboration. You know, so the, the story is always about, you know, you know the, the impact that Laura had on me was based on, you know, her kind of joining the journey and having her story, tying it and weaving our stories early on. And we realized that the two stories together um, are absolute harmony. So and I think so my story is joining the story with, with somebody that I care about. And for everybody out there, it's, you know, you know, think about it. And, you know, I've had friends that, you know, have had some challenges with relationships and things like that. And, you know, I guess the takeaway is make sure to put the stories back together. And that can be, that can be a lot of fun. Really tough question, Dan.
1: You're such a romantic guy at heart, aren't you?
0: I, 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 that's the Italian thing. That's, I love you know, it. We, we love our food. We love our romance. And you know, it's, we're, we're amazing. That's and beautiful. maybe on the next podcast, I'll sing to you.
1: There you go. Hey, we'll do a singing podcast. I, I won't sing. Everybody's welcome. You, you don't want me to sing, but uh, <laughs> I love it, Rob. Man, thank you so much, brother. Um, listen, if people want to connect with you, what's the easiest way to do so? Is oh, place fun- or-
0: yeah, you can find me. Uh, for those of you professionally, I'm on LinkedIn, Rob Champ. It's spelled C I A M P A. Um, and you know you can hit me up. There's uh, it's a little bit dated, but the, I have a, a website. Uh, I'll be writing more. I've been so busy with the startup that I kind of let my writing lapse. I love writing. Um, so champa.com, c i a m p a dot com, And there'll be links to places like the Electric Project there as well. So awesome. yeah, it's, a, I told my wife you know, recently, it's like, ah, yeah, you know, I got to get my writing stuff back because it, it, what, what's writing, it's telling a story.
1: Absolutely. Awesome, man. Thanks for your time today. It was absolutely incredible.
0: Dan, I love you. I miss you, buddy. Uh, oysters next time, and, and great job. And, 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 and your passion is, 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 you know, everybody has it. You know, everybody who comes in contact with you, you can't help but get it. So thank you for all you're doing, my friend.
1: So once again, thank you so much to my guest, Rob Champa. Be sure to visit Rob online. You can find those links in the show notes. Uh, And hey, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it all over the place. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, email, text it, Uh, call somebody up and say, hey, I heard of this podcast. Uh, You're out camping, telling stories around the campfire. Tell somebody. Thank you so much. Anywhere you can share with other storytellers is always helpful. And please consider leaving us a review if you enjoyed it. In fact, Uh, This review from Mark Lineberry is fitting because he's co-host of a great podcast about running with your significant other. So much like cooking with them, it can be a great connection for you. So Mark says, Dan assembled a great guest list of impactful storytellers. Each of their episodes are filled with great tips and info. Whether you're looking for a great podcast for stories or looking to transform your storytelling for your next talk or interview. You found the right place. Check this podcast out. Thank you so much, Mark. And listeners, be sure to check out Mark's show, the running couple podcast. And I never really thought about uh, the storytellers network as an, as an inspiring podcast to help you tell a better story for uh, your interview or your own talk. That's a great thing too. So maybe I have to get some people who uh, are public speakers on to be able to help you tell your better story, tell your story better that way too. So, so there you go. So thanks again, Mark. Thanks listeners for sticking through all the way to the end. And thank you again to Rob Champa for what an incredible conversation that was. So hey, until next time, here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers.